BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, man. You ready to join the family? Hey, man. I just want to thank y'all, man. If, if, if this happened at four, man, I'm going to be the highest draft in Cincinnati history, man. Well, here, here, here it is. Let's do it. it. Let's do All it. Right, hey, man, I'm going to turn you over to Coach Sala. Hey, man, right, congrats, man. Welcome to the family. Appreciate it. Uh, it just made me smile. You know, I was real happy because it, it made me feel like I was wanted. You know, um, a lot of people be wanting to go to these teams and want to go to these schools and, and college, but they don't want you then there's no point of you like being there so i really felt wanted not only from the coaching staff and the rest of the organization but from like for like the fans you know the fans you know they welcome me with open arms you know and i just can't wait to do whatever i can for the community that's sauce gardner after he was invited to New York by Robert Sala, who will be joining us momentarily. These guys are, like, working. They have stuff going on. So sometimes we need a few minutes here or there. We will have Robert Sala momentarily. And, you know, I first thought when Sauce Gardner was saying it's good to be in a place where you're wanted. And my, my reaction was, well, they drafted you fourth overall, so they want you. But the fan angle, especially with the Jets, you never quite know what you're going to get. So it is good that the Jets fans reacted favorably because we have seen, especially when the draft was in New York, some moments where the Jets fans were not quite thrilled with the selection that was made with a high pick. Yeah, no, I, that's where I think the, it's another one of those almost like, you know, not to the quite the same extent, you know, Detroit, Aiden Hutchinson, but sauce, the attitude of Robert Sala, the attitude of New Yorkers and Jets fans. I just think it's a, it's a match made in heaven there a little bit. And then that this defense and him playing, you know, maybe the Richard Sherman role and all of that and kind of, you know, embracing the, the villain aspect that a DB can have at times. I think that's where it makes sense. And when you had a cool nickname like that, you got play that backs it up. You're on a big time team. You got a little swagger. You come to New York. Uh, the, the fan base wants to like you. Uh, and that's where I think, you know, the, the Jets, they want to like all these draft picks. But Sauce Gardner. You know, he's made corner New York, you know, boisterous, boisterous attitude and all that. I just think it's perfect fit there. And by the way, as we wait for Jets coach Robert Sala, another announcement there. They're putting a game a day or two a day out for the schedule that is released on Thursday night, if you haven't heard. Christmas Day. There will be three games on Christmas. NBC will have a Christmas night game. We don't know what that is yet. But the middle game that day wow, on CBS, yeah, 4.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff, Russell Wilson and the Broncos taking on the Rams in L.A., televised by CBS and Nickelodeon. That's coming up Christmas Day, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And that's significant to me because there was some buzz that the Broncos were going to get that assignment to start the season in L.A. That obviously won't be the case now. The Broncos don't go there until Christmas. It'll be somebody else who opens the year on NBC against the defending champion, L.A. Rams. But uh, uh, that, that, that'll be a good one. 
the, the NFL is taking over Christmas this year, the most games ever on Christmas Day with wow. three, and now we know the middle game will be Broncos at Rams. Yeah, I don't think you can really go wrong there with that one. Denver, that time of the year, it's a great fan base. The stadium will be you know, rocking no matter what, and, and I, of course we expect them to be right in the thick of the playoff conversation. Uh, it's cool, the Christmas Day thing. I'm excited for it. I, I mean, I, I really am. It's been what's needed. I know the NBA has always been a you know a Christmas Day thing, but I've always been kind of like, why has the NFL not infiltrated this day a little bit more? The only thing I'm a little worried about, Mike, in all honesty, is are we going to have to work? That's the one thing I'm worried about. Like, <laughs> I don't I'm, think we will. I think it's going to be like Thanksgiving. Okay, I it's hope so. It's together just like Thanksgiving. I hope so. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. And, and please, please feel sorry for us about having to work. Since we don't really work, I have a feeling we're going to be off that weekend because there's a slate of games on Christmas Eve. There's a Christmas Eve game at night. I think it'll be on NFL Network. And then Sunday is going to unfold just like Thanksgiving. Now, you may have to work in the studio on Thanksgiving. I don't think or on Christmas. I don't think I'm I know that I'm I'm on standby on Thanksgiving, and I think I'll be on standby at most on Christmas. I've never had to do it'll be Thanksgiving like a 15 either. Minute pregame right. show. So, yep. Then I right. think you'll be fine. All right, good. I hope I so. That's you know, it's important to you know, put but- your mind at, at ease seven months in advance. I think you'll be fine. All Everybody's right. relieved now. We can all get on with our day. Okay, Chris good. Sims won't have to work on Christmas. Hey, he I- can sit around and smoke mistletoe. That, exactly, exactly. I got things to do. I want to sit on the couch and eat <laughs> and watch the damn games and enjoy it like the rest of America. That's what I want to do. <laughs> So, uh, with the Broncos off the table now for the opening night of the season, the Rams have Seahawks, 49ers, Cardinals. You rarely see divisional games to start the season. It's not unprecedented, not unprecedented, but but you don't see it very often. Panthers, Falcons, Cowboys, Raiders, Bills. I think it's going to be the Bills. If I have to throw throw a dart, I'm going to say it's it's the, the Bills. By the way, um, Slam dunk. I'm with Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Robert Sala now tied up until roughly eight fifteen. So we'll probably keep talking about scheduling for a little bit and then take a break. But we will have Sala. He's yeah. just he's busy dealing with people who are far more important to his life than us. Um, but I, I I'm going to say Bills. Put me down for Bills. I wonder if we could bet on that. I I, are there I, I hope so. Odds on who the opening game is going to be. I, I would. I'd put the Bills. I'd put the Bills at plus one ten favorite to be the opponent for the Rams. Uh, I would like that to be the game. As I sit here and just look at it and the teams that they could possibly, like you said, that you rattled off. Like, I, I don't want to see a divisional game. I don't want to see the Cowboys. I don't. I mean, you know, just we saw the Cowboys on opening night last year, and we've seen Rams-Cowboys matchups in the playoffs and stuff like that. I don't want to see that. Buffalo is the clear cut. I think there's, like, a lot of different angles there you could sell. I mean, Buffalo, you oh, man, they could have been in the Super Bowl last year. You know, the Rams, the Super Bowl champ. Ooh, this could be a Super Bowl preview this year. Buffalo, I, I believe in most betting circles, right, is the Super Bowl favorite right now. And, you know, they got, they're got they hungry. We know they're a team that's chomping on the bit for a Super Bowl championship. And arguably, you know, in my opinion, it's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, best players in football there. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Well, uh yeah, I'm. I, and and look, whatever it is, it's going to be a great game because it's the first game of the year, and and this is where I respect the decisions made by 345 Park Avenue for some of these bigger moments where you could really give us any game and we'd be happy. They give us a pretty good game. I mean, the the first, like last year, Cowboys Bucks. That was a yeah, it's a, that's a pretty exciting great. game right yes. out of the gates. Yes. Um. And and any game is going to be exciting because it's the first game and it's the night they hang the banner at the stadium and yada yada. But uh, I, I think Bills Bills Rams would be a hell of a way to get things started. It, it, that would be awesome. Definitely would. Um, I'm all for that. I'm excited to see what the rest of this Christmas Day slate is. Are we going to get the rest of the Christmas Day schedule today, or is it just like that right there? And then we got to wait a little bit. Is there a formula? I think that each network. No, I think yeah. that I think that what happens is ESPN and ABC announced the Monday night week two doubleheader right. yesterday. Right. CBS announced one of its games today. Fox is announcing one of its games tomorrow morning, I believe, and then NBC announces a game Thursday morning. So we're we're getting little bits and pieces. They've turned and and listen, this is smart. I think I've said this in the past. Why do you dump the whole schedule 
at once. Yeah. Turn it into a larger event. Now, I'd, I'd advocate giving out even more in advance than they do. Turn it into schedule release week where we get bits and pieces every I would like day, that. not just one game. Yes, right. Give us give us four weeks, the you know, and then four weeks, and then four weeks. I think that I think that would I think that that would create a ton. They take over the whole week. Could you imagine how pissed off basketball and baseball and hockey would be if the NFL decided, hey, we got an 18 week season now. We're going to go four, 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 and six Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think that that's all. That makes a lot more sense than just dropping all games out of the sky on Thursday night. I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, again, the NFL is is borderline mastered, you know, dominating the the yearly calendar. I mean, they're pretty close to it. And this is just another way to extend a few weeks. I wish they would release a few things more too, as well. As well, you know, hey, start off the first week with just. You know, the primetime games, the big games, just continue to release those throughout the year. Oh, hey, there's a big 425 matchup on CBS or Fox. And, you know, we smattering of our good NBC Sunday night football games and the Monday night football games and the holiday games and all that. You could almost do that just for a week, just those games, and then go, hey, week two, here's the rest of the schedule, everybody. And you go two weeks of going, you're right. Like, what? Baseball? Basketball? We don't know. We're too excited about the matchups coming up in the NFL season. Uh, I'm with you there all the way. Raiders Raiders. at Rams will happen at some point this year. But you know what? Here's a reason for the Raiders not to be the opening game. It would be the ultimate embarrassment for the Rams on the night they hang their banner to have their stadium overrun by all the Raiders fans who still live in Los Angeles. That could be that an wouldn't issue. be good. You're right. You're right. That wouldn't be good for Stan Kroenke. But at some point in 2022, the Raiders will be coming back to their second home, Oakland, L.A., Oakland, Las Vegas. Yeah. They'll be back in L.A. And in the interim, they've got another issue to deal with. Let's just give you the update on the news from what happened on Friday night. Remember the firing of interim president Dan Ventrell or Ventrelli, depends upon whether Chris is saying it or I'm saying it. And now it's got me really confused as to what the proper pronunciation is. Um, but either way, he's out. He issued a statement on Friday night saying he was fired because he raised concerns internally about complaints that have been made about the workplace behavior of Mark Davis. Mark Davis to the Las Vegas Review-Journal says, I've heard about it, but I won't comment on it as it relates to the Ventrelli complaint. The only thing I want made clear is that Ventrelli was never president of the Raiders. He was always the interim president. The interim was always a temporary designation to determine whether he would be the full-time president or not. He is not the president of the Raiders, never was. What's this that is mean? an example of somebody. What's that well, mean? Well, this is an example. I, well, this is an example of somebody who is either getting bad legal advice or is ignoring the good legal advice he's getting because it's irrelevant. He worked for the team for nearly 18 years. It's not like when the interim presidency ended, he was going to be poop canned and out the door and you're gone and you're done. He's still going to be there in some capacity. So the idea that he was never the interim president, never was the president, he was the interim president, never the president, never was going to be, never would be. It doesn't matter. The allegation is he was fired by an organization with which he worked for a generation because he passed along to the NFL complaints that have been made about Mark Davis. It's just a misguided comment by Davis to try to muddy the waters. Like, who's going to say, oh, yeah, hey, he was never the president of the team. Go ahead and fire him for making those complaints known to the league. It's just it's laughable. And and this is the kind of path that someone can start down that ends up nowhere good for anybody. So they need to muzzle Mark Davis. They, they managed to get him to say nothing about the substance of the statement. They should have also said, just don't say anything about this guy at all. Say nothing. Because it just comes off as a guy who doesn't understand how it works and doesn't understand. It really doesn't matter if he wasn't the actual president of the team. His claim is you fired him because he passed along these concerns that employees had made. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems petty and irrelevant, really. That's what it seems. You're right. It seems to be the old, you know, but what about this, like, almost argument? But what about, let me change the subject away from all the serious allegations. This guy was just temporary yeah. here. Temporarily yeah. here for it's, 18 it's years working in a high spot in the organization. Just temporary. That, yeah. not, not, it's yeah. not going to fly. No, not at all. You know what does fly? What? Jets fly. And Robert Sala is the coach of the Jets. Is he here? So, is he flying finally? Do, no? Are we taking him now or are we taking a break, Pete? You tell me. What are we doing?
We're taking a break. Jay, we're taking a break. We're going to ask Coach Sala to be patient while we bring these messages to you. We'll bring Sala to you right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, man, you ready to join the family? Hey, man, I just want to thank y'all, man. If, if, if this happened at four, man, I'm going to be the highest draft in Cincinnati history, man. Well, here, <laughs> here it is. Let's do it. it. Let's do All it. Right, hey, man, I'm going to turn you over to Coach Sala. Hey, man, right, congrats, man. Welcome to the family. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, it just made me smile. You know, I was real happy because it, it made me feel like I was wanted. You know, um, a lot of people be wanting to go to these teams and want to go to these schools and, and college, but they don't want you, then there's no point of you like being there. So I really feel wanted, not only from the coaching staff and the rest of the organization, but from like for like the fans. You know, the fans, you know, they welcome me with open arms, you know, and I just can't wait to do whatever I can for the community. There he is, Sauce Gardner, after he was selected by the Jets following the phone call from our next guest, Robert Sala. And I want to start right there, Coach. First of all, we appreciate your time. We know you're busy. It means a lot to us that you're making yourself available. But when I hear Sauce Gardner say he's happy the fans welcomed him with open arms, I mean, Jets fans aren't bashful about making it known that they're not happy with the pick. Is it a relief for you when you find out that the fans are on board with what you guys have done? Uh, you know what? This one would have been a hard one not to be a fan of. I mean, the kid has got such a great mental makeup. His, he's got uh, great to me. He's, he's, he's a Detroit kid that's built for New York. And um, uh, just to have him, and you kind of knew right away that the fans were going to embrace him. He's, he's, he's got an electric personality. And Robert, I'm, I'm, you know, you guys had a great draft. Congratulations. I mean, I, I know you guys have had to take all those compliments of, hey, you won the draft, and it doesn't mean anything until they go out and prove it. But what I am interested in is just your process of, like, evaluating players and the conversation that goes down with Joe Douglas because it seems like your guys fit your scheme perfectly. And just how how involved are you in the process and the conversations with Joe leading up to the draft and, and ultimately actually making the pick? You know, um, I, I'm going to get a lot of credit to Joe D and his staff and uh, the way he runs the entire operation up there for, for draft. Uh, his inclusion with the coaching staff, all the conversations, all the meetings, um, none of it happens unless Joe wants it to happen. And uh, and he is he is so um, detailed and covers every single basis. He crosses every T, dots every I. And, you know, um, I, I've, I've been fortunate and unfortunate all at the same time. I've been part of this is my fifth rebuild, uh, being on the front end of a, of a, of a rebuilding situation and um, wherever it's worked, this is the way it's been run, you know, with a uh, general manager in San Francisco, Kyle and John, uh, the cohesiveness between those two. Um, uh, same thing with John and uh, Pete Carroll at uh, Seattle, their cohesion. So, it's, you know, just being here and just having that ability to work with Joe and and, uh, and his willingness to allow us to have uh, the amount of input he gives us um, really gives this organization an opportunity to minimize the risk. You know, when everyone's on the same page with a player, you, you minimize risk. And uh, uh, so credit to Joe and the way he runs it. We talked about your fourth pick, the fourth overall pick in the draft in Sauce Gardner. You were back on the clock at 10. And it's good to have choices, but the problem with choices is you eventually got to make a choice. You got three receivers that went one after the other. You go Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams are there. What sets Garrett Wilson apart from the guys who were drafted immediately after him following the selection of Wilson at 10? You know, just when you look at his body of work and his, uh, his body control, his, his hands, his, uh, his aggressiveness to the ball, his range uh, uh, to go get the ball, he's, uh, he, he, his route running, he felt like he was most pro-ready, um, uh, had, the, had the best body of work in our opinion, and uh, uh, just his, his character, his mental makeup, uh, uh, all of it, uh, being part of a winning, organiza- uh, winning uh, university at Ohio State and um, – 
on a team full of stars and you're the stars. So it was, uh, for us, it was an easy decision. I with Garrett, he was our number one receiver, uh, which everyone's going to say when they pick a guy, but I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but regardless, it, he just, for us, it was, it was an easy pick. Now, I mean, I think uh, I'm just going to rattle down the first round here. I mean, we might as well just keep, you know, giving you guys a lot of credit here. Third, th- third pick in the, in the first round, Jermaine Johnson, Florida State. I, I, as a fan, I'm sitting there going, man, they got Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson. They got their Richard Sherman and their, their Cliff Averill from Salah's Seattle defense when he worked there. But just, like, talk about your level of surprise that he was still on the board. And then ultimately, like, the conversation that goes down with you and Joe to make the move back up and get into the first round and, and take a player like Jermaine Johnson. You know, we, we really, in our, in our heart, we thought he'd go between 10 and 15. And um, Right. Uh, just just talking with Joe, we you know, we, we made the decision that if he got the 15, we'd start making phone calls. And uh, uh, right when we got the 15, Joe started making calls. And uh, uh, we finally got it done at 26. And... Um, uh, really happy to get him, and um, and I know that uh, you know it's it's a, it's a long day for those kids, especially in that green room when you're expected to go in a certain spot and you fall where you fall where you are. And uh, you know we're really excited to have him because you know obviously biasly we feel like we our, our scheme fits him perfectly in what we'd ask him to do with getting off the ball and playing those wide nines and uh, and utilizing all that length, speed, and athleticism. And we hear the stories all the time about a guy who slides and who's upset about it, and he gets a giant chip on his shoulder. I, from a coaching perspective, you got to like that, that it's not going to be as difficult to push this guy's buttons because he walks through the door with a stick up his butt. He's ready to go. He's ready to prove people wrong. Yeah, you know what? He's uh, one, one thing, uh, the common denominator to every player we selected in this year's draft is they've got a tremendous mental makeup where we feel like they're internally driven. And uh, while I do think he is bothered that uh, uh, he slipped to 26, I think he's got an internal drive that he's able to reset, won't matter, wake up the next morning, find ways to internally get better. And uh, um, all the way from free agency to this draft class, if you look at all the different names that have come into this building, I, I think the common denominator is that they're internally driven and they're not really driven by money or external forces or playing time. They, they just want to find a way to maximize themselves every day. And I think Jermaine is one of those kids and he was upset. Trust me, he was upset and he verbalized it the next day. But, but at the same time, I, I think he's, I think he's wired in a way where at the end of the day, it won't matter because it's, he knows what he has to do and he knows where he has to get if he wants to make something happen out of this league. Yeah, I'm excited to see them. I really am. I'm also excited. Let's let's get to the conversation, the important things here, okay? The quarterback, all right? The quarterback, my man, Zach Wilson, Robert. Uh, talk about just the evaluation of his play year one and then the different man you're seeing walk in the door here, you know, year two with, with one year under his belt. You know, uh, you can break up Zach's season and – in three parts obviously the first part of the season rookie getting thrown into the fire and um uh it was probably as rough as it could get which we all agree on and uh you know he gets hurt and that injury you know it's a blessing in disguise because he got a chance to watch not only Joe Flacco run the offense but Mike White run the offense and Josh Johnson and they all ran it to a pretty uh with with pretty good efficiency and um he comes back and has a very clean uh, second half of the year, albeit missing a lot of the guys that uh, he was playing with in the first half of the year. And um, uh, so he, his ability uh, to, to, to sit back and watch those guys and really just, okay, I need to start leaning on some people. I've got to start, not necessarily listen, but just things making sense to him more. Um, was really the, the, the three stages of the season. And then you fast forward to this offseason, you could tell he put in a lot of work. Um, he's a lot, he is thick. Um, when you guys see him in person, uh, he, he's, he is thick right now. And, uh, but he's, he's able to maintain it. He was able to maintain it all his looseness and upper body looseness to let the ball rip. Uh, his, his lower half looks big and, um, you know, hopefully the improvements on the offensive line won't, won't, we won't need him getting hit, but he won't have to absorb any hits, but, uh, but he looks really good. He's got great command of the offense early. Um, He's doing a lot more talking. You could see him doing little things that rookies are just, they're swimming in their own mind. So there's little things that they don't even think about doing when they're rookies. And so things are clicking for him. And, and uh, now it's only phase two. Uh, we got to get to phase three and let him start letting the ball rip with, uh, with an actual defense uh, 
uh, trying to take the ball away from him. But um, but he looks good so far. Robert, something you said a couple of minutes ago is still resonating with me. And at the risk of asking you to divulge the secret sauce that the Jets use in assessing players, I'm curious how you spot the internal drive that you spoke of, whether it's free agents, draft picks. You're looking for the internal drive. I think everybody's looking for that. What in a player speaks to you that they have that what tangible thing do you see that makes you think this guy has that thing we're looking for? Um, uh, I, I think this one's universal. I'm, it's not going to reveal any secrets, but uh, um, through the process, you can find out if a, if a young man genuinely loves football. And uh, if, if that, if that young man genuinely loves, there's, there's two types of players. There's those who love ball and there's, and then there's those who love what football brings them two completely different mindsets in the way you attack your everyday life. And um, those who absolutely love this game and love everything about the process of this game, the rehab, the practice, the weight room, the meeting room, uh, everything. If you love that, everything about football, in our hearts, in our, in our belief, we believe that you're going to do everything you can to protect it, uh, to protect that love you have. You're going to protect it. So even if you've had some silly life mistakes and your uh, uh, life skill mistakes, uh, life decisions uh, prior. If you have a love, you're going to find a way to correct that, that aspect of your life to make sure you don't lose what you love. And uh, so that's kind of, uh, I think it's universal. It's just, you know, can you be disciplined and, and ignore the, the height, weight, speed, length, and the flash plays of a kid that, you know, uh, I think it was Nick Saban, you have the scout report and then you either have the word and, they add some more positives or, but, and they add the negatives. Um, if, if you're talking, if you have a long list of buts, I, I promise you those buts are going to follow you in the league. It's just a matter of, do you have the discipline to, to ignore it? All right. Well, I'm going to get on you and your discipline this year. I mean, it just seemed like you became a head coach and you were a little less crazy on the sideline when you were a defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I mean, what's going on? You getting all professional on us now, or, or, or like in all seriousness, is is it just a totally different game now that you're a head coach compared to the D coordinator? Uh, yeah, I'm having fun, but I'd love to hear your your ass your your side of that of that story there. Uh, well, there, there's a couple things. Couple things. One, you know, my the I always tell people the the chairing on the sideline um, for me is. Uh, as you already know, that you put in so much work during the course of the week. Right. Uh, you're grinding with these players. You, you rep, you watch tape, and you rep something five or six times during the week just for that opportunity, a third and four. And you, you've repped it, and you've repped the look, and you've watched it on tape, and you've walked through it, and then it actually comes up in the game, and you see a young man make the play that he, you know he'd been spent, he spent two hours on. And, uh, and so the jubilation would be the – and the excitement, the, the reaction everyone sees isn't is more joy, right? You're you're excited for that young man. He just made the play. You know how much work that went in. It's like watching your kid ride his bike for the first time. Uh, you're just really excited for that person. So no no one ever sees me screaming at a player for doing something wrong. It's right. more self reflection right. trying to figure out what in the messaging during the week uh, did we do? What did we say that kind of screwed up that young man in that moment? But um, so hopefully this year there's going to be more things to cheer for. You know, <laughs> they're far and few in between. But uh, our guys, they they work their butts off. But there, there, there also is a lot of stuff, right? I mean, it's you can't. I don't have Kyle to to worry about fourth down decisions once we get off the field on third down. You know, I got to stay in the game. They they've got to be quick. But um, but uh, it's still um, those moments still come out. Robert, we did this a year ago, not long after you got the job. What would you say to that guy after we wrapped the interview a year ago that would better prepare him for what was to come in his first season as a head coach? Oh, man. Um, that's the thing is everyone did tell me, and it still doesn't uh, – um, the amount of administrative work uh, and the amount of time pulled away from being able to sit down and watch tape. It was – people give you the heads up. You're like, ah, I'll figure out how to do it. I'll – you know, I'll find some time, but you get you get worn down um, throughout the day with administrative uh, administrative stuff, uh, media meetings, um, department head meetings, just all the different things that happen uh, in this chair. But uh, um, we're in a rhythm now. We got it all under control, hopefully, and uh, and we'll we'll be able to watch a heck of a lot more tape this year. 
Hey, Coach, quick one. I know you got to go. Last one here. Just of uh, it, the schedule starting to come out, and you know, we're starting to see little splashes here and there. What's what's a head coach look for when that first schedule, when the whole season comes out for you? Is there anything in particular you look at right off the bat? Um, no, you know, you, you look at the opener and you're rolling. I mean, it's a cliche thing, right? But uh, it, it is. You look at the opener and you're uh, from from then on, you're 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 on your way to trying to uh, prepare for that. You got the QCs preparing for the uh, week two, week three, just to have the breakdowns in. But uh, everything we, we do is to start fast with that opener, and, and then we'll go from there. Coach Robert Sala, New York Jets, congratulations on a very exciting offseason. All the best as you get ready for year number two. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Good luck, man. Yep, yep. There he is. Robert Sala, let's take a break. We'll have plenty more of PFT Live still to come right after this. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Devontae Smith was in for a surprise at a recent 76ers game. Former Philadelphia Eagle. Damn, got fired on my day off. (laughs) What in the... Look, people make mistakes all the time. But I don't know how you type in former Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, It must be somebody who doesn't know much about football. And thought it must have been some other Devontae Smith. I mean, what for the Eagles? What? What? I know. <laughs> how do you? How do you? Especially in Philadelphia, where they're such great sports fans and like love their team and everything. There, that that's a good one. That it's like reminds me of uh, you remember Major League, like Willie Mays Hayes when he wakes up outside, right? He's like, you know, he, he says a four letter word, and you know, crap, I've been cut already. I didn't even know, but uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. I can't believe they messed that up. How do you mess that up, Philadelphia? Come on. That's that's something. He is a former Alabama Crimson Tide. Is that what you call an individual player from I, the Alabama? I never really thought about the – he's a former member of the Alabama Crimson Tide would be cleaner, I guess. But I mention that because college football is now in the midst of chaos as it relates to the name, image, and likeness Wild West that we're in the middle of. And let's always remember why and how this came to be. This all happened because for decades, the various major universities working under the umbrella of the NCAA denied any and all real benefits to the players. And spare me the free education, because for a lot of these players who have sights set on the NFL, they had no choice but to go play college football for free. The NFL bars them from entry for three years, no matter how good they may be. They have to go play. They don't get paid. It lasted for years and years and years. And finally, finally, the NFL or the NCAA, excuse me, had its reckoning last year with an antitrust ruling that made it clear that everything the NCAA does by imposing rules on these various independent institutions is an antitrust violation. Right. That's what That's created right. get this. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. what created this. Right. So now that the NCAA thinks it's going to impose rules on how NIL is going to go, <laughs> good freaking luck, NCAA, yeah. okay, because good. as folks have said, anything they do is an antitrust violation. The NCAA cannot issue rules that has these independent universities required to follow an arbitrary set of rules. It's open season. It's whatever you choose to give them. The NCAA is a fiction. It always has been. And the real thing that's amazing about this is it lasted as long as it It did. It is. It's amazing. They're dealing with chaos now, Chris, because they delayed it for so long. They kicked the can for so long to not pay the players anything. They do have chaos right now that's going to fracture major college football into different levels and layers who – you know, the teams that can get the big NIL money and the teams that can't. But good anything other than federal legislation isn't going to work. The NCAA is walking right into a lawsuit if they try to restrict it at this point. Uh, that, that, okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's what I thought when I first heard the news. I was like, well, wait, wasn't this already ruled on in a court? Like, what are they talking about? Uh, and then, so wait, so, I mean, just – are they are they trying to say it's like only boosters from that school can't do NI deal NIL deals with players at that school, but that booster can then go do that for another school and another player there? I mean, it just makes no sense. The NCAA, I wish it would just go the hell away and get out of here forever. I've been, I think you and I have been saying that for the last seven eight years. It just it, to me, it's they cause more problems than it's worth. 
You know, they're making their own NIL deals with everybody and doing whatever they want. But damn, we're, we're going to micromanage everybody else in the sport. It's un- unreal. I can't see where they have any ground to stand on here at all. And ultimately, you know, th- this, this, it's crazy in college right now. But I just don't see where they can go with this. And, and it's, you're, you're going to have major issues, to your point. And here's what's happened. The floodgates opened last year as of July 1. The NCAA basically threw in the towel and said, there's nothing we can do about this. So the entire NIL industry pops up. And ideally it is, I can do a deal with Ford. I can do a deal with Nike. What has happened is boosters have come together. They've pulled their money and they're using that, that giant chunk of cash to try to placate current players or recruit others who can enter a transfer portal and then come to your school. Now the NCAA is going to try to grab that tiger by the tail. Good luck. It's too late. It's not going to work because anything the NCAA does at this point by prohibiting boosters from being involved in pulling their money to go out and help recruit these players is going to be an antitrust violation. That was a quote from an attorney who represents football recruits, Mike Caspino. The moment they try to come and interfere with one of my client's deals, the next day is the moment they get hit with an antitrust lawsuit. And maybe what they're going to do, Chris, they'll just do it and accept the fact that five, six, seven years from now, They'll lose in court, and they'll owe some big judgment to somebody along the way, but at least they're able to control the system in the short term. Yeah, we're eventually going to lose, and yeah, we're going to have to write somebody a big-ass check, but for the next five or six years, we can at least put something, some sort of a restrictor plate on this while we figure out what comes next. Federal legislation is the only thing that's going to fix this long term. It's the only bypass to the antitrust liability that flows from federal legislation. But look, they deserve it. The chaos that they currently are experiencing, they've earned it by ignoring the reality that these kids deserved something more than room board tuition fees and snacks. They had been, and, and oh, and again, free education. Look, what does it cost a school to let one more kid not go to class? What does it really cost them out of pocket? They have been getting the benefit of that bargain over and over and over again for decades. Ever since college football became a major billion dollar event for these schools, the players, the stuff they don't get, it becomes glaring. And, and it's good. I'm, I think it's great. I think get what they deserve. They've been in the wrong for so long. It's good that it's blowing up. It's good they don't know what to do. And whatever they do, they better do the right thing, or they are going to face real scrutiny in court. It, it, it seems that way. I, you know. And, and again, I'm with you. I, I, I like all the positives of it. Has it made things a little crazy in the fact of where guys are going to go and all that? Okay, sure. But still, we're talking about the sport. It makes it fun. So it's giving them free advertisement that way. Uh, also with these NIL deals, boosters, not boosters, whatever, at least it's out in the open and we know the deals. I mean, what is the NCAA? Want, they want to go back to cash bags and, and cars just showing up at people's houses? I don't know where he got that because that's what's going Eric on. Dickerson. I, well, that's what's going on everywhere. I mean, it's, it's what goes on. I mean, it's like it's so stupid that, you know, we, we still act like, oh, whoa, nobody's getting paid. Like, no, no, everybody's getting paid at every school. Like the, the big players, that's why they're there. But. I will say this with the NIL deal thing and all that. I do wonder, Mike, do you wonder at least, do you think this is going to uh, make the balance of power better in college football and maybe give us a few more teams to talk about? Or is it going to sway it even more right now into the fact where, like right now it's a four-team race basically every year. It's like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, and maybe one other team. Uh, so I, that, that the long-term effect, I guess, is a, is a little interesting to me there. I think it's going to give us more teams to talk about at the top. Okay. But it's going to create a gap between After that. the truly top teams yeah, okay. and second-tier, third-tier, Like a ten I teams that, that are really that, good. Yeah, and then the yeah. – yeah, I could see that. I could see that. West Virginia University's got no chance. Got no chance right. to compete in that climate. Right. But look, look. This is the way it always should have been. Schools like WVU benefited from the fiction created by the NCAA. The NCAA was always there, I believe, to justify denying benefits 
to the student athletes who were generating the revenue. Yeah. And you use those broad rules that apply to everyone. Sorry, we'd like to give you more, but the NCAA says we can't. They hide behind the NCAA. And now that that facade has been obliterated. And when you look at some of the quotes, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith, they know what they know that they are walking into a litigation trap, but they don't know where else to go. And they are choosing putting rules in place that ultimately will be deemed unenforceable over having no rules at all. That they think the end result is going to be better for the sport, better for the schools better for buying time to have some gigantic liability to a bunch of kids who find themselves with less money than they otherwise would have because they're trying to turn the faucet off on the NIL money coming from the boosters. This is going to be huge potential liability. I hope the member institutions understand that those kids who lose the money that the boosters are ready to give them, they're going to get that money eventually from the schools times three. That's how it works when there's an antitrust violation. Treble damages. And it's not going to be the USFL versus the NFL where you get $1 times three. It's going to be a hell of a lot more than $1 because it'll be, it's going to be very easy. If they disrupt the plans that the boosters already have in place to funnel money to these kids, it's going to be very easy to, to put the math together that shows how much money Joe Blow would have gotten. How much money this guy would have gotten? We already have it mapped out. We got the spreadsheets. It's I I I I hope they understand what they're walking into and what the bill is going to be when this litigation is over. From from that just alone, I I would think that's why they they even though they want to say oh me like you know how you laid out like oh well maybe we can control it here for a little bit before we figure it out. Man, it just seems risky for the way you kind of laid it out there right there because uh, this, yes, uh, that seems like you could. Much risky, no bisky. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can see them actually pursuing this. This might be just tough talk, puff out your chest. We don't like things that are going on. Now let's talk to our lawyer representation. Oh, crap, it's going to cost that to fight this, and then we might have to do this at the end of it. Okay, see you later. Sounds like NIL deals will continue to go. I, I can't imagine that it's they're a- legit going to fight it. It sounds like they weren't doing enough to put lobbyists in place to activate when they needed to. They need the federal legislation. They needed it a year ago. They need it even more now. And I don't know where that stands, yeah, but right. that's their that's their ticket if they can ever make that happen. And we'll see if that occurs. Let's take a break. We had Jets coach Robert Sala on. His team was a last place finisher in the AFC East last year, but we saw a last place team in 2020 make it to the Super Bowl in 2021. We're going to have a draft of the best last place teams from 2021 as the new season approaches. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Get off my lawn. Welcome. I'm trying to make a full migration to Gmail after years with AOL and it's funny because you're still on AOL like younger <laughs> yes back in my day an AOL is AOL still in a real company that's what's amazing I guess they are if your emails are still getting sent goodbye <laughs> that's good that's good that's good you know we never did make a Chris looks like Max Headroom if I knew we had that kind of technical capacity I'm expecting EJ to construct Chris in the screen with the jerky movements. Remember, we established that very early on, five yes, years ago. Yes. That you yeah, look like hey, hey, Max shut your Hedman. mouth and let EJ do his job. You just talk on the show Icon. and let EJ do what he's got to do, all right? <laughs> all right. Oh, I'm already in trouble because I was I was mimicking his Simsism voice. I already got in trouble. Stop <laughs> stealing copyright my lines. infringement. Yeah, yeah come me. on. You're stealing the right. thunder. Um, <laughs> we, we have a draft now of the best last place teams from 2021. Chris, you have a trivia question for me. For all the folks out there who who wait with bated breath for a trivia question. They do. They do. I mean, Aunt Wendy brought it up on, on Mother's Day. I saw her, and she's like, "What? where have the trivia questions been lately? And I'm just – and so we gotta we got to give the people what they want, all right? So Joe Namath, 1967, only Jets QB to ever pass for 4,000 yards in a season. All right? That was an NFL record at the time, 4,007 yards. What franchise – 
has never had a 4,000-yard passer. I didn't. I don't know this. I'm still not sure if I know. I'm, I've got some guesses. I'm. Uh, let's let's talk this out. You can make your guesses and be wrong. Well, and let's figure I'm it gonna, out. I'm going to guess that it's a team that hasn't been around for very long. Although Matt Schaub with the Texans, I think had a 4,000 yard I, season. That, that's the first he, team I think of. They've only they've only been around for 20 years, so that would put them on the list. So uh, it's not them. Did the Jaguars? Yeah, did the Jaguars with a Mark Brunel? Did they ever throw for? Oh no, Bortles threw for 4,000. So that's not it. Definitely not. How about the Panthers? How about the Panthers? All right. All right, don't give us the answer yet, Pete. Panthers are definitely. I, I did wonder that as well with Jake Delhomme. You know, am I crazy to think about like some of the older teams too? Like, did Jay Cutler throw for four thousand yards with the Bears for sure? That's where another one. Like the Bears, I don't know. I, I almost, that's a good one. You know what I mean? Because I can't think of a season where we've talked about a Bears or even the Washington Commanders or another team that kind of comes to my head of been here for a while. Nope. But, but did they ever have that guy? No great quarterback in the last 30 years that really would have exactly. had that big season. That's really what it comes down to. Right. All right. So, all right. Here, uh, Mike, your final answer was what? Where are we going to go? I'll, I'll go. I'll, I, you've convinced me to go Bears. I'll okay. go Bears. All right. Damn, look at me. Look at me. I'm wow. damn good right there. Look at me. Helping a friend out. Oh, one of the oldest You teams. can go ahead. All right. I can go ahead. You can have the first pick. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you since you all helped right. me. All right. I think we probably would both have the same. Well, I don't know, actually. This is worst to first, right? Or teams that the best last place teams? Damn. The best last place teams from 2021, which I think assumes with the best prospects going to be 20. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm going to go with the Ravens here. I'm, I mean, again, the Ravens still, I, I look at and go, yeah, last place team in that division last year, but damn, that was a good division. And Lamar Jackson got hurt at the end of the year. And Damn, they still almost made the playoffs, and they've improved their team in the offseason. So uh, I, I am going to go with them. They're, tr they're, they're tried and true, battle-tested, Harbaugh and company. I'll pick the Ravens. I, I, I hesitate with this pick because they're in the toughest division in football, but yeah. let's ride. Right. Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, arrows pointing up, new owner rolling into town sooner rather than later. They were 7-10 and 10 last year couple of games behind the Chargers. They had three teams above 500 in the AFC West last year. But I think the Broncos have the, the opportunity, especially with Russell Wilson on board. He's elevated the team. George Payton, the GM of the team, told me that last week. He walks through the door, and it elevates everyone. That's good news for the Broncos. Yeah, uh, 100%. I think those were their, the, the, the two picks for sure. Ravens, Broncos. I mean, Broncos, like, kind of like the Ravens. We looked at them and went, man, they were damn good last year. It was close. Now they got the quarterback and uh, some other things, too, to help them out. Now this is where it gets tough because there's no slam dunk pick here. I'm going to be – I'm going to go with the Jets. The Jets excite me the most. If you ask me the teams, you know, that drafted in the top five that can maybe replicate what the Bengals did last year, you know, along those lines, I look at the Jets. Young superstar quarterback, in my opinion – Got weapons at receiver. Damn, running backs now. Uh, their defense, they've made the right adjustments there. If they can stay healthy, you know, again, it's a tough division like the Broncos in the West. The AFC East is brutal too. But I'm, I'm, I think out of the rest of the teams left, I'm most excited about what the Jets' potential can be. I'm going to go with the Lions. There's a buzz around the line. I hear you. They've got Aiden Hutchinson. They made the trade to get Jamison Williams. And – MDS noted on PFT this morning, at Caesars, the action has been hot and heavy on Campbell for coach of the year. Wow. A lot of people are believing he'll be coach of the year. And you think about it, preseason expectations, not much. The guy that exceeds those expectations the most is the guy that, that becomes the coach of the year. And that just implies the Lions are going to be pretty good. And I have a feeling... And maybe it's wishful thinking for all Lions fans out there who have been suffering for 60 years. I have a feeling they're going to be pretty good this year, um, even with Jared Goff at quarterback. Let's take a break. We'll do round three when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, let's finish up the draft real quick because we've got a little bit of news to get to right after that. Chris, give me the 
the third team on your list of the best last place teams from last year. I'm going to go. I'm going G-Men. The G-Men. I'm going to go with the Giants here. I, I'm just too much of a believer in Brian Dayball and then the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. You know, made some adjustments to the offensive line. Happy with that. Uh, the draft, of course, was pretty damn good to go along with it. Uh, I, I think the Giants can, can be a little bit of a pain in the butt here in the NFC East this year. You know what? I'm going to go Seahawks because I think that all the the criticism, all the turmoil, I think Pete Carroll still has a few tricks up his sleeve. And I think he's going to find a way to stoke these guys into being competitive without Russell Wilson. There's going to be a motivation unlike any they've ever had in that organization. And Carroll still is a pretty good coach, and I think that, that they're going to surprise us, even though they were 7-10 and 10 last year and they don't have Russell Wilson. All right, Fox has announced that they will have a new number one game analyst, but not yet. Tom Brady will have that position when he retires. Wow. They're going none of the above. Wow. Who's number one until then? That's a shadow over whoever gets the gig. Greg Olson? But Tom Brady will walk I, I assume he will be, but he's not because it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady holds that gig whenever he's done playing. Now, does that mean this is his last year? Does it mean he's going to play two more years? I don't know. But whenever he's done, he walks through the door as the number one analyst. Who has the Fox. Super Bowl and this bet, year? Do you... and, and, and I bet, well, Fox has two of the next three. Fox has this year. Okay. So and then Fox has interesting. two years after that. I... Uh, I bet the number starts with a three for Brady. Do you think it's thirty million? I bet he's gonna I bet he's gonna make more from Fox than he's gonna make in any year that he played in the NFL. Wow. That'd be Yeah, I bet it starts with a three. I, get him to commit now, I bet it starts with uh, a three. I mean twenty that's million it. a year I think would get people to commit. I mean it but that's We're interesting. I don't know. Yes. We're out of time. See ya. See you tomorrow. Have a good day. 